Hello everybody, welcome back to the Sonic Guild Colorado podcast. Luke Fisher here, creator of the Sonic Guild Colorado podcast. And I wanted to give you guys a little insight to our new segment we are doing with our partner, The Roots Music Project. The Roots Music Project is an artist collective based in Boulder, Colorado that is really pushing the boundaries of organic promotion, organic artist development at an amazing venue in Boulder, Colorado. Dave Kennedy came to LM&I and thought it would be a great idea to give the these listeners, this talented community, a guidebook to what it really takes to put on a successful show, to develop an artist, to do the things we all want to do as artists and creatives in this Colorado space. So we found top industry professionals in Colorado to give you a guidebook on what it really takes to develop an artist, to run a venue, to promote a show, to give you deep analysis on what that all entails. So get ready for the Roots Music Project takeover of the Sonic Guild Colorado podcast. Enjoy! You're listening to the Sonic Guild Colorado podcast. I'm your host, LM Fisher, musician, producer, and creator. This episode features Sean Canton, band leader of Los Cheesies and marketing director at the Roots Music Project. We spoke virtually about the challenges of the business side of music, how to build thriving relationships with venues, promotion processes that have worked for the band, and so much more. This is the Sonic Guild Colorado Podcast with Sean Camden. Hello, you are tuning in to the Sonic Guild Colorado podcast. We're very excited. The next couple episodes we're going to be bringing to you is with industry experts and leaders and band members have some really fantastic perspective on the business side of making music. I am here today with Sean Camden. Welcome, welcome. Thank you. Excited to be here. I'm so excited to talk to you today. You're at the ex- now extended Roots Music Project. You have been a part of Los Cheesies for 11 years as a band leader. You've performed at festivals, open for major acts. You're the marketing director at Roots Music Project. You're a nonprofit founder, owner of Sancho's Mexican restaurant chain. You wear a lot of hats. How do you balance all of these interests in your various projects? Mm-hmm. Well, um, just to clarify, I'm, I'm the ex-owner of the Sancho's Mexican restaurant um, chain. <laughs> oh. Um, yeah, so I actually fair sold enough, fair enough. a little bit less, less than two years ago. So it still exists. It's still running, uh, but I do not own it nor manage it anymore. But yes, I used to. Oh, well, was that a decision to focus more on the music side of what you're doing? Uh, that was... Uh, Definitely a part of it, certainly. Just uh, many factors I needed to get out of. I've been doing it for 12 years and definitely certainly got burnt out from it. It's a really difficult, tough industry. And yeah, it was extremely difficult to do with having, you know, I just, um, I have a four-year-old. So uh, when my wife became pregnant, I decided it's definitely time to start making a path of getting out of it. It took a while. I brought in a partner and trained them, but but yeah, letting the restaurant business go was definitely a reason to to get more into music and focus more on music. Um, but yeah, and I in the nonprofit, uh, I found that twenty one years ago, and I stepped back from that about I would say nine years ago. So I've worn many hats, but definitely what I kind of do is I start I start things up, try to get them established, and then I I usually move on. <laughs> 
except when it comes to music. <laughs> so the only thing I've and those cheesies, that's something I've committed to that I hope to do till I'm uh, in a wheelchair. <laughs> oh, till the day I die, I'm d- doing music. So what? started your passion for creating music and can you tell us a little bit about how Los Cheesy started and the evolution of the band since then? Uh well so since a uh since a young kid I used to do a lot of theater and musical theater. Um and then at some point in my life I decided I wanted to learn languages, namely Spanish and learn about uh, Latin American culture. So um I actually moved to Mexico, Argentina and Brazil spent a lot of time there and um i started getting into latin music and i was a mariachi i was a professional mariachi singer <laughs> uh, i was kind of looked like the martin short of three amigos type of uh scenario actually mexicans call used to call me martin short from three amigos <laughs> in mexico <laughs> uh but yeah i got into music in latin america and then came back here and um then I went back and lived in Argentina, and that's when I got into actually mostly rock music and ska and reggae, and started actually learning how to play an instrument. And uh, there's a humongous, monstrous music scene in Argentina. And as soon as I got there, I met a guy, and he asked me to sing to him. And then I sang to him a cappella, and he asked me if I would join his band. So then I joined a band immediately while I was down there. And so uh, that's when I got into like the 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 real music scene of being in a, in a, in a band and started, I started as the lead singer and um, just got the experience. And then from there, I was inspired to always pursue, you know, being in a band and they were very creative. Uh, we did original music. So as my first opportunity to start writing a little bit of music and learning how to play music. So it, it got my creative mind moving and, and the confidence to, to start writing my, writing my own music and collaborating with others to write music. And how did Los Cheesy start and what are some of the venues and the goals of the band? And how do you guys keep up with those goals as a, as a collective? Uh, so Los Cheesy started uh, because uh, a, cl- uh, a gentleman who we were sort of friends, uh, we just uh, he's from Mexico. His name's Carmelo. And we were just in a random room and we just started playing music and we we were just improvising and we just really enjoyed what we came up with. Um, and so we said, let's um, let's form a band. And so we eventually were going to call it uh, in Spanish. It's called Los Chingones, which means the badasses. <laughs> uh, but the chingon is kind of a, a, a somewhat of a bad word in Spanish. So we thought we might not be able to get gigs with a name like that. So um, we came up with those cheesies because a friend of mine uh, from Colombia loves uh, cheesy music videos and uh, from the eighties, and I love cheesy music videos. So she would always say, "Let's go see, let's go watch those cheesies music videos." So I decided to call the band those cheesies. Uh, so it started with myself and Carmelo. Um, when we first started, we did a lot of covers. We did some originals, and then throughout time, another gentleman, named Nick, uh, joined the band. The band actually broke up for a while, which was a great thing. We reformed, and and when we reformed the band. We really wanted to put our passion and our ideas and our creativity into original music. And so Carmelo comes from a, a, a background of playing a lot of cumbia. He's been playing since he was 13 years old in cumbia bands in Mexico and here in the U.S. Um, but he also has a passion for rock and ska. And I come from just a diverse background of lots of styles of music uh, living in Latin America. So I got influence from Latin American music, but I also I'm huge 
I'm a huge fan of rock and roll and blues. I even like country. And so, you know, we just came together and formed the band and it's just a fusion of so many different styles. There's, and so there's a lot of comical aspects to it and storytelling, but really it's, it's just really a fusion of creativity and a melting pot of cultures. Uh, we all come from such different backgrounds. I believe you're asking, you know, what was the process of getting gigs? Definitely, you know, I can tell you uh, uh, the, the challenge of being a band that plays original music. It's it's extremely challenging to get gigs because a lot of venues uh, are are more attracted to cover bands or bands that are like a theme band, like like an Eagles cover band, or or, or I don't know why I'm saying Air Supply. This <laughs> is Air Supply came to my mind. <laughs> I don't know any never heard of an Air Supply cover band, but um, but yeah. So, uh, and we did some, we do some really fun covers. Uh, we call cheesy fied covers. We cheesy fied cover songs and make it like a weird Al Yankovic in Mexico city type of style. Uh, but, but yeah, it was really, it took, you know, we've been around for a long time and it took a long time to get decent gigs and the gigs we get, you know, we take, we would take anything they would give us, you know, we would play anywhere and we still have that mindset to an extent. Like we're not, we're not picky. It's just, obviously financials at this point because we're such a big band does play a factor of sometimes limiting limiting us to where we can play and we're a little bit more selective at this point so we touched on a little bit about a challenge for original artists what are some challenges of the business side of making music besides the fact that if you're making original music it might be tougher to find a venue because they are looking for something that maybe they know will already have a built-in audience yeah um i think i think Sometimes the challenge is, like I said, I think uh, uh, sometimes a lot of these venues, people want to hear, they want to hear covers. They want to hear what they're, what they're, they recognize all the time. And so that can certainly be a challenge. Um, you know, I think it's just challenging to, you know, to, first of all, to find the financials and the time to then produce your original music in a studio and then get it out there is really challenging. So, you know, I, I think challenging, you know, it's challenging too, is to get consistency of being able to play all these venues. So people start actually hearing the song so many times that it kind of catches on to them. Uh, so yeah, I think there's a lot of challenges with original music. Um, I think there's honestly more challenges for us too, just because we're a bilingual band. So we produce music in both Spanish and English. And so it's interesting. What I've learned is really the key to to people wanting to you know open to your music is just if it if it's if it just it hits them you know you that you're performing your heart out and you're performing to the audience instead of yourself and so i see a lot of bands i think it's challenging if you're original songwriters like you're you're there for you're there for the people i always see that this way you're there for the people. Um, you're not there for yourself, but some of these, some of the artists, they kind of, they, they perform internally instead of externally and interacting with the audience and engaging the audience. And so definitely, you know, it's been challenging, but I've, we've found ways and I've found ways to really try to engage the audience with our original music uh, so that they just kind of like, you make them part of the music part, almost basically what I call part. And I say this to audiences, you're part of the band, you're part of our community. And I think that helps. So definitely I see it, it's the way you approach it, especially with original music of how do you connect with the audience with your, with your own sound, with your own style, with your own creativity, with your own original music. So you're a marketing director at Roots Music Project. You have a little bit of experience um, marketing really successful show there. Can you tell me about the collaboration with your uh, Cinco de Mayo show and 
what that process was like and maybe some avenues of marketing that you tried that really worked to get people out to the show? Yeah. I, first of all, I just want to clarify, I'm not a marketing expert. <laughs> you know, I've learned things through experience of, you know, promoting my businesses and the nonprofit I've had and I've definitely learned some tricks and each industry is very different. Uh, the music industry is different than the restaurant industry, but there's some similar similarities. So, you know, I've, like I said, I'm not, I'm no expert, but um, I, I ha I've had posted a couple of shows here at Roots Music Project. The most successful one was the Cinco de Mayo. Um, and I think you, you're asking me what's, what, what made it successful, correct? Or what I believe made it successful. Yeah. Or were there any marketing tactics or like social media or something that you did that you were maybe surprised that like, oh, this really engaged people and got people? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think the I think the number one thing that's worked for me uh, in general, uh, especially I think you have to, I believe that you should be applying for ticketed shows because the reality is with ticket shows, you have to put a lot more energy than anything else you do. If you play at a bar or brewery or even a festival, because a festival is has like one of the greatest gigs you can get because they have a built-in crowd for you. I mean, it helps that you promote it and you want your fans to know, but you're getting exposed to new people. With ticketed shows, it's it's you know, it's mostly up to the band to get people in the door. And so so I think what's been lost a little bit in our, you know, in our society and our culture is personal human contact. <laughs> um, and, and that doesn't have to be physically, even it's just calling someone or sending them a text. And so you should be reaching out to everybody and anybody, you know, whether they're fan, either they're fans or their friends or their friends and fans and people that you think are going to come out and support you. And so, you know, that was like my number one focus was uh, me personally. Was, that, that was the number one thing I did. I, I made a list of everybody I knew, all the friends and even, even my family, like my mother-in-law. I told my mother-in-law she had to come. <laughs> and she brought in, you know, like eight people for me because she she's just a sweetie, sweetheart. She loves her son-in-law, at least for now. <laughs> um, and, you know, and I really pushed my band members. Uh, some of them are very extrovert in my band. Some of them are a little more introvert. Um, but I pushed them all. I said, you know, you know, invite as many people as you can. Reach out to your friends personally. Make a list. Uh, send them a message. You can you can even go as far as copy and paste the message a little bit, and make it personal. And so, yeah, I reached out. I called people. I, I texted people. I Facebook messaged people. Uh, um, and that was. And then what I did is I printed tickets, which Roots doesn't usually do. Roots doesn't print tickets. They just it's all you have to go on through via Eventbrite and buy the ticket. But I wanted physical tickets because with physical tickets, if you can, or or if you can, you know, basically have someone pay you uh, via Venmo and just put them on the guest list, that that was very successful. Uh, and I told people I would come to their house, I would come to their place of business, I would meet them anywhere, <laughs> over with Seven Eleven or anywhere they wanted to, and I would give them physical tickets. And people love that. People appreciate that, especially your fans, but even your friends, and you know. Someone like who meet me, who's I'm always busy. I wear, I do wear many hats. I'm always involved in many things and I have a family and I have the band and I have work and I have side projects. Um, people appreciate that, that personal connection. And I think that's really, really important. If you give them the tickets and they already bought the tickets, you already sold tickets and they're not obliged to go, but you've already got, uh, you know, a, a base of people who, you know, have already bought tickets 
easier said than done, but that was definitely my number one. Number two, I would say is I do uh, hustle really hard via social media. So social media, fortunately and unfortunately, is one of the most powerful marketing tools. I think most people are aware of that, but it really is. And so um, really like the key to, to, to successful presence on social media is relevant and interesting, interesting content that people will enjoy reading or watching or will engage people. And so, you know, I came up with a lot in besides creating the Facebook event event and boosting that, which is another important thing is there's two factors. One is creating relevant, interesting content, but then you need to, it helps if you can put a little bit of ad money into boosting those posts. Um, and so, yeah, I, I came up with ideas of to make it fun. I had a lot of my friends and fans are total goofballs uh, like me and some of my other band members. So I, I was about to say I exploited them. I didn't exploit them. I utilized them <laughs> into creating fun videos. Like, you know, I had my friends going, Los Cheesies, I'm going to see Los Cheesies, Cinco de Mayo, oh, you know, and like just making it super goofy. And I have a lot of fun friends and characters, you know, and I'll come, I come up with my own characters or I'll imitate a character and just, you know, I'll play a song. Um, I'll show pictures of all the people who are coming. Uh, uh, a um, what, One of my friends in another band calls it a talking heads video, which is basically everybody, you get like a selfie, you know, a video of everybody in the band, like, we'll see you Cinco de Mayo, <laughs> you know, whatever. So it's just like being a little spontaneous and fun and funny and creative and and you know all the making a promotional video uh pictures uh you know just everything that's gonna the consistency of social media advertising and boosting those posts and it does help uh if you have a link to the ticket below so uh, on uh when you uh promote an ad on facebook uh you can set it up so it has a link to the event right and you can put a buy you can do uh set up the buy ticket button so just like, you know, having also a direct uh, way of getting those tickets, you know, and I would even say in the posts, I will come to you. I'll come to you anywhere. Uh, you know, the, the the hard part is obviously the time factor. I mean, I put it, it these ticket shows, if you want to be successful, it requires a lot of time and energy. And it's just like, the, that's just the reality. That's great advice. What percentage of time would you say that you spend doing the marketing? And maybe can you tell a little bit about maybe how the band thinks about budgeting for those those paid ads or um, like what what's the, the time to money breakdown here? Well, this is definitely <clears throat> we want to talk about challenges for bands. I mean, the economical side is almost always I mean, there's always the two factors, time and money. And so we don't really have money except for the money that I personally put in to the band. You know, sometimes there's a little bit left over from a show, but usually, you know, I try, we try to give everything to us because we're, we're a band of, of seven musicians and we're all, we all live in Colorado and Colorado is a very expensive place to live and overpriced and, not an easy place for a musician to live in. We all have to have full-time jobs. So, you know, like the reality is, is I, I have to pull in, you know, my own personal financial resources. And I think that's the reality for just by every man, unless you're like a trust fund baby or, 
<laughs> your parents are like, oh, your son, take this money. That's not, you know, you know, uh, and promote your show. That's not very common. And that's not what I have available to me, nor do I know any of my band members. So, you know, like I, I try to utilize with, you know, for a ticket show, uh, you know, I'll probably be able to cough up, which is not much at all, maybe $200. And I'm trying to be really smart and strategic about with that money uh, and take it as long. That's why I'm talking, I keep telling you about, like, you're going to have to spend just a lot of time promoting it, you know. And I also mentioned, you know, I hadn't mentioned too, is even like post, I mean, everything helps, posting flyers everywhere. That It's going to cost money to print the flyers, but it doesn't cost money for you to maybe find some band members to post them, your band members to sell tickets. Like everything we're doing is super low budget. It's basically volunteering our time because we don't have, we don't have practically any financial resources to do that. So, and that's what I'm telling you uh, about instant relevant, interesting content, making a good poster, uh, make it as good as you can because you're about, I mean, we don't have a lot of a big budget to, to boost that post. You know, we're talking like, ten dollars a post fifteen dollars a post you know i try to spend a bigger chunk on the facebook invite because that reaches a lot of people and then we all have as individuals have to invite our friends physically you know tap on every single friend that you know that you think will come to the show so yeah that's the reality for us um i know i think other bands have maybe i mean i see a lot of these bands see are successful because they have a little bit bigger of a financial resource than we do so that makes it really challenging so the show at the Cinco de Mayo show at Roots was a ticket split show, meaning for our audience, you were paid via split of ticket sales and not paid a guarantee. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what the motivation could be for a band to do this type of show um, with this type of pay arrangement? Yeah, that's, a, that's an excellent comment and question. Um, you know, I think so we just started doing more ticket shows in the last three to four years. And even the last three to four years, uh, the previous, I'd say three years, we weren't even doing much since we've really been doing it last in the last couple of years. Um, I think the motivation and the incentive is we're kind of, it's definitely an opportunity for, for more exposure to play at a bigger space, a bigger stage, you know, basically what we've been doing for the last, mostly the last four or five years is bars, breweries, and festivals. And recently, which is um, awesome, which is, I really think, a bigger key to success as a band is to get, we've been getting to a lot of festivals. And then, you know, recently we decided to start doing more ticketed concerts. And I think the benefit is uh, you're, you're going to, it's an opportunity to reach a bigger fan base, a bigger population. You partner with a, you know, the concept is usually you try to partner with other bands and they bring in their fans and you bring in your fans and then you're sharing each other's fans. So, I mean, that's a, that's, I think the, you know, the basic concept of it is that you're joining forces with other bands to bring in more people to have a bigger um, um, audience, obviously, you know, cause the bars and breweries, the capacity is only so big. And, and um, so, yeah, I mean, it's definitely an opportunity for, for much bigger exposure. And I guess, you know, the benefit for a band, joining forces with us because they're going to get exposure to, to our fans, vice versa, vice versa. I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, for sure. Um, so when you're working with these other bands for a ticket split, how do you communicate about the work that both of you are maybe expecting the other one to put in? 
that that's where it gets <clears throat> i think really tricky and difficult um you know so it's a you know i think it also depends a little bit too if you're the headliner versus the opener i think there's more stress on the headliner than the opener but definitely the idea inviting the opener is to is that they're going to try really hard to bring in their fans um but there's no uh way to be really accountable about that it's just kind of a i think i think you have to be really careful about who you decide to work with um because it's it's a, you know it's difficult uh working with other bands because bands could say oh yeah we're gonna do this and that we're gonna bring so many people we have a huge following here and here and that's what they say to venues too to take venues i think both bands and venues suffer from that because a lot of times they guarantee or promise and i'll be honest it's happened to us too sometimes we've thought we would get so many people and we didn't get near as many people and there's so many factors to that but i think it's it's risky and it's challenging and can be really frustrating uh to working with other bands because it happens quite often that you put a lot of effort and the other band puts in minimal effort um and sometimes they do put in a lot of effort but sometimes they don't and that can be i, I think you have to be like i said you have to be really careful i think and and fig just figuring out who you're going to work with but it's you know it is a risk you know sometimes you just don't really know um but i try to be clear with the bands of work like this is what we'd love for you to do this is what we do and you know i think a lot of at least the bands we try to work with kind of already know what they should be doing but like i said the reality is is that they don't always do it and even if you are the opener and they're the headliner it's really interesting it's happened to us too we've actually on a few occasions brought in more than the headliner and felt like we put more energy into as the opener than the headliner so it gets it gets really tricky and so how do you communicate then with the venue um in cases where maybe you haven't brought in as many people as you were expecting what can that process look like and then event like how do you basically like get paid the amount of money that you know you need to survive as a band um and what are ways that bands can develop a good relationship with venues so that that's not so much of a worry that's a great question um i think uh it's it, it can be challenging when it's the first time working with a venue because you don't know what the venue is going to do for you um most venues are great but you know a lot of the venues don't really do that much on their end and some do much more than others um but i think you know if you want to uh establish a good relationship with the venue and be successful and sell a lot of tickets like i said before you're just gonna have to work extremely hard unless you're us unless you're at the point where your name sells it all you know and and our band we're certainly well known but we gotta really hustle i mean I, we have to really work hard and and i i think showing that to the venue is really important so i think that's something i've learned is eat it uh the venue wants to be successful and they want to see a lot of people there but they also want to see that you're trying and the venue the venues will know if you're not trying because the venues are on social media they can tell when you're they can see because you're, you're tagging the venue and everything on social media for example um and of course they're going to see how the ticket sales are going but i i, I think it's uh it, you know it's it's a balance that you got to put in a lot of effort and they and hopefully the venue puts in a lot of effort and then they see they put in put in the effort 
And I think, especially when it's the first time, I almost feel like you have to put more effort. Really, my first, you know, time of, I, I organized a, a fundraiser for the unhoused uh, in collaboration with another band and with a local nonprofit. And that was a little bit easier in some ways because they were helping more. But for the Cinco de Mayo, you know, I just poured as much as I could into it in a small amount of time too, because um, we had so many ticket shows, shows going on. But I poured as much uh, of, of my heart into it as I could with the limited time I could. And the venue certainly recognized that. And yeah, it was it was successful. And and it really came down to myself and the band putting the, the grand majority of the effort. Roots definitely put some effort into it. And it's kind of funny because I'm do the I'm kind of doing the marketing for Roots. So but I treat every band pretty much this when I promote any band at Roots as the marketing director, I try to keep it as much equal. Um but yeah, and, and so it was it was a themed event too. And I thought that was cool. And that's actually something I'm trying to look into is like trying to do themed themed events. So like <laughs> pretty cheesy. We're those cheesies. We did Cinco, you know, like Cinco de Mayo. It was actually our album release party, but it was a Cinco de Mayo kind of like a concert party. And so, you know, we got a food truck, a Mex we got a Mexican, amazing Mexican food truck. We got uh we had a uh Fiona who works at Roots came up with this awesome cheeserita margarita. We promoted that. We put in the food truck. We had we brought in we were supposed we were brought in face painters. We brought in an artist. We brought in still performers. So part of the success, and I think it helped is it can help sometimes is really going getting out of the, going getting creative out of the box and bringing in people who co can collaborate, not just the bands, like a food truck or anything. The only thing I tell people about food trucks is like make sure you're going to have a lot of people there because it makes sure you know it's going to be well attended. It appeared I could start seeing that it was going to be a well-tended event by within three weeks, and that's when I decided to book a food truck. Book a food truck because I don't want I want you want the people you collaborate with to succeed as well. Um, but that I think that certainly helped, and of course, Roots saw the effort we put in. We um, we hold one of the records for the most uh, well-attended shows at Roots. Um, that will change. <laughs> It'll be many, many, many. Uh, Roots is you know still a new, semi-new, but but. Yeah, it was it was successful and it took a lot of um I think the venue like I said the venue saw that. And so that's how, and now Dave at Roots told me he's going to make me sign a contract <laughs> so that we do a Cinco de Mayo every year at Roots. Uh I think he was joking mostly. Well, I hope not. I mean, it sounds like you guys pulled off quite the show and it sounds like a really fun event. That's a great way for Fans, I think, to think about ways to make a show special for fans. Um, in your opinion, do you think it's better to focus on attracting new fans or focus on the existing fans you have and that in turn brings in more people? Hmm, well, I think it's kind of organic uh, in the sense that when you're promoting your show, so it's all um, uh, anything that you create Marketing is a lot about branding. Um, and so, um, and, and those cheesies, I, tr I tr really try to brand the name those cheesies. Like I say it all the time on stage and those cheesies, of course, is mentioned all the posts. We have our little cheesies logo on a lot of things. I, I really, it's, 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 you're both, you're trying to do both always. You're trying to bring in new fans and you're trying to, uh, you know, bring back your current fans that they come see you again. 
And so I, I think what's really great is when you when you're inviting your fans, a lot of times your fans bring new fans because they. What's so great is when when uh, someone comes to your show the first time and they love you, they want to share with their friends their experience. And so, really, besides doing all this marketing and promotion and reaching out to your friends, you know the thing about anything where it's we're talking about you know my experiences in the restaurant business restaurant industry as well and the the way you can best sell you know best marketing is is offering the best product and the best service right and so that's kind of how our shows are too we put so we put a lot of our personal energy on stage and put on a wild and insane captivating high energy ridiculous honestly incredible sounding show and so that's probably one of the most important things as you grow and as you're trying to grow is put everything into your show and it doesn't matter how many people are there you know we we one of our ticket shows if we're talking about ticket shows we played at the caribou room uh in february and i think the weather wasn't the greatest it was on a friday it's a way up in ned um uh, the other band didn't really bring hardly anybody, <laughs> but we brought some people and there was not many people there. It was really, there was about 70, 80 people there, which isn't horrible, but it did definitely didn't see their expectations. We've, we've done shows that sometimes it took show. There's only 30, 40 people at times. It doesn't matter. You put on the best show you can, you put it all into it. You perform to that audience, no matter how big or small they are. And they're going to love you and they're going to come back and they're going to bring their fans. And so, and when you're promoting an upcoming show, the nice thing about um, when you're doing targeted marketing ads is that you can target new geographical areas, different interests. And so you're going to be targeting people that have never heard about you or, or have heard your name. And the more you play out, the more consistency, the more you're consistent on this social media, you're just organically going to attract new fans because people are like those cheesy, like, I can't how many times like like what's your band those cheesies? oh yeah I've heard of those cheesies because our our name is just constantly out there the consistency of posting like I said on social media email blasts all of that and playing out of course and like giving the best show ever so that people are like they want to come back and they want to bring their friends I think is really important so it's like it's all I think it's also a hard balance you know I think you're gonna ask me this but you know music how much time you put into the music versus the marketing. And I got, I would say it's more important putting more time in the music than the marketing because you want to be the best sounding band. And but it's it's a tough balance, right? It's also trying to book shows. It's a real it's it's just a really tough balance because when you and then when you have these shows and you have a ticket show or a festival, you want to put a lot of energy into the marketing and that takes away from the music. But it's it's definitely a tough balance. But I always think like we I tell the band like I care less about the gigs we get. I care more about how we sound and how tight we are and that we know the music and that we're coming up with new material and something different and something and that we're unique and et cetera, et cetera. That's a great perspective, I think, to have. Um, I mean, you know, the hope is that you do a quality job and it's quality over quantity, right? Like you put the time and the work in and then that pays off. Although, of course, it is a, a balance. You got to do a little bit of effort on both sides. Um, let's talk a little bit about 
booking a show, what, in your opinion, makes a good EPK and what can bands do to book maybe larger venues um, or festivals? Yeah, so I think um, I think it helps if you can find some kind of opportunity to get on a decent sized stage. Um, and so if you're, if you're just getting your start, uh, uh, let me backtrack. The most important thing is a, is a good quality video, um, that shows the best you can be. And so you want, if if you, uh, you need to decide where you're going to record that video. You could even possibly, if you, if you haven't been on a, you know, done a concert before you could go to a place like roots music project and rent their space. And just do a show that's really focused on you just performing your guts out and getting that and getting a promo video. And of course, you, you can invite people, but um, you might just even want to rent a space if that's where I'm talking about when you're just getting your start to building your EPK. But um, it, it surprises me. A lot of bands just don't have good quality videos and, and you got to and it helps, like I said, to be on a stage. It makes you look more like a professional band, but you might not have the resources or be able to convince a venue. That's why I say like, find a place that you might be able to even like a existing concert venue uh, where you can just perform on a stage and get that and, and have someone doing the lights and you got to have someone recording the sound and you just need a good quality. You need a good videographer and then you need to edit a video. And I, I would say a minute to two minute max is ideal, but I, I mean, usually people, people, uh, people are, they're going to watch a minute of your video, the people who are you're getting booked with. And so I think that's like really the most important place to start. I say that at the same time, when you're doing that, you should be, you should be taking some really good quality pictures. And it's amazing with pictures, even with video these days, like, I mean, it would be good to get a photographer, but all this is all this costs money, but you might be able to find some friend who could do it for free, or you might even want to pay someone, a friend to do it for a little money. So they're committed, but you want to get some good quality pictures. So you need a good quality picture. You need a good quality video. I think to put together a good EPK, you need a good pitch for your band um, that goes into your EPK. And it helps to have some recorded music as well, I'd say, you know, uh, and putting some of those recordings on your EPK. Uh, I think all of those, but I, I definitely think number one is a video. That's what's going to sell you. People, they want to see what you look like, what you sound like. Um, and so you can, you know, there's two ways to do a video. One is to, is to put a, tr uh, a track on one of your original, you know, recorded tracks over the video, uh, and, or do both where you have some of it, you playing live and, and some, I actually, that's what I do with our PPK. It's some, like starts out with one of our original songs, you know, professionally recorded songs, and it goes to less like you can hear us live. Um, so, uh, it's, that's definitely important. And do you have any last words of wisdom to other band leaders as we are approaching the end of our conversation? Anything that you think could be helpful for people um, who are just starting out or who are looking to take that next step or even just keep their longevity and their music going? I think, yeah, I think the number one I think, I think about after having this band for 11 years is it really helps to have band members that are really passionate about the project that are just, uh, that are like, they're into it's either your music or for those cheesies, I consider it our music. So it's, um, you know, I write songs. Um, my best friend, Carmelo, 
uh, he writes songs and sings. We both sing. Nick Thompson, who's our lead guitarist, um, helps come up with a lot of, some of the guitar melodies um, and really collaborates. The three of us collaborate together. And if it wasn't for the three of us sticking together, there's no way we would be around as long as we could. And um, the bigger your band, the harder it gets because, um, well, <laughs> the bigger your band is, you have a dynamic of personalities and characters um, and uh, it prones more to potential conflicts and people leaving the band. But the struggle we've, the number one struggle we've had throughout the years, especially with horn players, beware of having horn players in your band because they're the hardest ones to define someone. It's hardest to find horn players that will be like really committed to your band because horn players, uh, they play and most of them play in so many bands. So they're not really committed to any band, but um, that has been the biggest challenge and that's made us go backwards so many years is not having a core committed uh group of of musicians and it really has taken us i would say 10 years to finally get there and we're finally after about 10 9 10 years we have a really committed core of musicians and there's seven of us sometimes eight there's an eighth he's amazing but he just plays when he can um all seven right now i've never seen so much passion and commitment and the smaller your band is sometimes it's easier so if you're a four-piece band a little bit easier with a seven piece it's hard to find you know seven people who are like really committed to what you to your to your project which i always try to convey as our project and so i definitely think you know like the key to the success of the band is that chemistry and that's not easy to find and sometimes it's best to start small if you want to build up your band. Like sometimes, you know, we started as like a duo and then a trio and then a court and then a full band. And then we had a lot of songs with horns. So we like finally decided we really need to bring horns in, but that created challenges. But I think it that's the number one advice I have is like, that's key. I think to longevity is it's the same with anything you create. You know, if you can get someone on your team that's committed passionate and that there's respect and along with that there's and uh, everybody's willing to take feedback and be open and not be defensive and sensitive because that's a big problem with bands and individual that people are a lot of artists band, musical artists are very sensitive and sometimes can back lead to being very defensive and so i think that i would certainly say that's something i would take into account and then you know this is so hard but uh finding the time to make it what you want to make it and figuring and figuring that out you know i hopefully yeah my wife won't listen to this she won't be listening to this podcast so we're okay but but yeah i i think when you have a family your family expects you to take priority in like getting a really sound secure job and then you're gonna buy you need to buy a home and you need a car and you have all these financial commitments and you're kind of stuck in this high paying job that 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 uh requires you to you know pay for your mortgage and and um you know and i don't know if you have to have a nice car but i've avoided that as much as possible i live as simple as possible um my family lives as simple as possible I, my wife is actually very fairly supportive i know she much rather have 
me have a job that's that makes a little bit more money, but I never really had that type of job. And I'm never gonna probably do that. And she accepts that. And so, you know, if you're younger, stay away from getting married. <laughs> stay away from having kids as long as possible and focus on your music because you don't it, it's virtually impossible to make a living off of music and get a job that you're happy about that's not sucking all of your energy and resources out because the reality is, and this still happens to me, it happens to most of my band members. Most, you know, all of us have full-time jobs. Um, I had the restaurant business, so I couldn't put all my energy into creativity, which is what I want to do. And now what I'm trying to do is limit the amount of work. I mean, I do like work. One of my main jobs is roots, but you know, I only, ha- I only I'm only working about, well, <laughs> I, I, I set an amount of hours and I volunteer a lot of hours here because I'm just so passionate, but you know, I have to put limits. So I have at least some energy and some left of my body to put the time and energy I need to make my band successful. And the more successful you get, and the more, as you get more successful in music, it requires more time. It's actually less time when you're first getting started out. And when you start catching on, you start doing more concerts and festivals and things like that. That's where it gets and then you get more ambitious about touring. That's where you have to really put a lot more energy into it. And it becomes like a full-time job that you're not getting really paid to do. That's definitely a challenge. So yeah, live, live simple <laughs> and, and make sure you have the time and the resources to put really put your, your, you know, your energy. And if you want to make this successful, if you want to make your, you as a solo artist or as a band, there's that balance you have to try to create, which is definitely not easy, especially when you live in a town like Boulder, uh, that's just become completely out of control, overpriced, and so uh, gentrified that um, a lot of these music venues and bars and breweries have had to, some are had to cl- have had to close. New ones have popped up. For example, Roots Music Project, which is like why we're here, is because we want to help continue to cultivate the music scene. Well, Sean, thank you so much for your time. It was really fantastic to have your perspective and the wisdom of your experience on the show. And I hope that for any musicians out there, you're feeling inspired and like you want to get a good group of people around you and clear your schedule and focus on the business side of music. Um, Thank you again for your time and enjoy the rest of your day. Yeah, it was very nice meeting you. Thanks for having me. Uh, I really enjoy Uh, I enjoyed our conversation. I like to talk a lot. So this isn't very enjoyable for me. Perfect for a (laughs) podcast. (laughs) All right. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode of the Sonic Guild Colorado podcast. Check out the links in our show notes to experience Los Cheesy's music to learn more about the Roots Music Project and to become a member of Sonic Guild Colorado.